Powered by the combination of scientific research and technical innovation, Revive Skincare is the brainchild of founder Dr. Greg Brown and spearheaded today by CEO Ilana Drell Seifer. This is a hugely inspiring story, so make sure you stay tuned. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce you our guests for today, Dr. Brown and Ilana. They are the founder and CEO, respectively, of the high-performance skin science brand, Revive. Beginning with Dr. Brown's groundbreaking idea to incorporate a Nobel Prize-winning bioengineered molecule into skincare, Revive has proven to increase skin renewal. Dr. Brown was already a renowned plastic surgeon when he founded the brand, while Alana joined as CEO in 2017, driving the company's global expansion. With a combined 50 years' worth of expertise in science and medicine and senior leadership at the world's largest beauty corporations, Dr. Brown and Alana have truly shaped Revive into one of the most advanced prestige skincare brands today. And I'm so inspired by their respective journeys today, so I cannot wait to dive straight in. So Dr. Brown, Alana, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Akash. Thank you for having us. So I ask all my guests the same question, and I'll divvy it up so I'll first go you know with Dr. Brown who in a nutshell is Dr. Brown wow you know you sent me that question and that's that's a tough one it would probably it's be better one. for people in my life to answer that but you know I sort of mulled it over you know most of my life I trained in a helping profession so I think that carries over into most things including you know Revive. I treat Revive. sometimes I confuse clients with patients and I'll call them patients. And so I still, um, maybe even to the chagrin of our salespeople will often tell people what they need or don't need and not, not sell them a product. Uh, when in reality, our salespeople are probably wanting me to sell product. And I was always that way in, uh, my practice too. I would often tell people, um, you know, they they didn't need a procedure or couldn't have a procedure, but I wouldn't do it. But they could find somebody in the marketplace to do it. So I think that carries over to Revive and maybe even one of the reasons we're not as huge as we could be. I don't know. But and another thing I think to a fault, everybody has great qualities that usually are their strengths and their uh, weaknesses. I guess mine is tenacity and perseverance. Um, it helps as an entrepreneur, but it's not the best in personal relationships. Sometimes those need to be uh, terminated, uh, which I tend not to do. And uh, we won't go into it, but I have another small brand, actually a hair brand. So I may ask you some questions about that later, but I've held on to it. It has not been successful, but I, I just keep putting money into it and I can't seem to let it go. So, you know, tenacity is not always the best of qualities as an entrepreneur. It tends to be, but in life, sometimes it's not, you need to know when to let go. So I guess 
that's sort of a roundabout way describing who I am. I love it. And I think one of the key things I've taken away from that is, you know, your true core values. And by standing by that today, I think that's such an important thing is to stand by that. And whatever, you know, happens in different ways of life of where people perceive success, if I feel the most success you can have is by staying true to yourself. So I think that's exactly what you've done. And the older you get, I think, or at least the older I've gotten, the more that's true. You know, when you're young and the perspective is much different, you're young, but um, the older you get, what you just said, I think becomes more and more uh, clear and true. I completely believe that. And um, Elana, who in a nutshell... Are you? Uh, I also found this uh, question difficult to um, prepare for, but I think um, I, I I am a lifelong learner um, who also I think is a problem solver, um, and I think uh, I'm the oldest of um, three daughters, and we're far apart in age. And I think that that created both a leadership and kind of maternal quality in me that I do think I bring into business, personal life and business. I think I'm, um, you know, highly protective of those in my tribe. And I I fight fiercely, uh, I would say, to protect them and have them succeed. And that's um, both personally and, and professionally. That's amazing. What a beautiful answer. It's a tough one, I know. And I, I'm so grateful I'm on the other end of the question because I don't have to answer it myself. But uh, you guys did a great job. So thank you for sharing. Um, but I do, you know, that's a nutshell. But when I was researching about you guys and I was shocked um, about the amount of incredible achievements and experiences you've both collectively had. So I think, Dr. Brown, let's start with yourself. would love if you could maybe walk us through your kind of upbringing, your career um, as a really renowned plastic surgeon, uh, and then we'll let Alana take the reins as well. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sure. I'll try not to bore you and I'll try to be quick. But, you know, I am basically, I mean, this sounds so trite, but I am a country guy at heart. I grew up as a single uh, only child uh, in rural Kentucky. And uh, so those values have stuck with me in a good way. I had great parents, great family life, all of that. Uh, One thing I do think that I've learned over the years uh, 
if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't be such an overachiever. And I know that's a question you're going to ask us later. But when I look back on my life, if advice to uh, younger people would be not to do that. Um, You know, I um, went to medical school in Kentucky. Um, I was on a fast track. I only went to three years of college. I went to Vanderbilt and then went to medical school and uh, it was important to do well. And I graduated second in my class and went to Harvard and all these kinds of things that, you know, at my point in life, when you look back, are really not that important. They were at the time, but I think my advice to anybody younger would be those sorts of things. It, it's more important who you are and you, and you stop and you have experiences along the way because, you know, there were things I would, I would like. One time I wasn't in a friend's wedding because I had to study for an exam in medical school. I mean, I would never, you know, if I could do that over again, I would never do that. But just to tell you how we got to Revive. I was a general surgeon first, took care of a lot of burn patients. Those can be devastating injuries. Um, I trained at Mass General in Boston, which has a big burn unit. And I decided to uh, take a couple of years off and do research because I knew I wanted to be an academic surgeon. And one of the people that I was doing the research with, the biochemist, it just so happened he had done a postdoc with a man in San Francisco who was head of UCSF biochemistry department. And that was in the the dawning age of biotechnology when Genentech, Amgen, and then this company that Dr. Rudder started, Chiron, were just beginning. So human growth proteins were just being created biosynthetically. And Dr. Rudder, who was head of this department of uh, biochemistry and started a company called Chiron, um, had the idea that maybe epidermal growth factor, which had actually been discovered 20 years earlier by Stanley Cohen and Rita Montalcini, with very, very crude experiments, but it was thought it would speed wound healing because what they did, uh, crude, crude experiments in 1960, they ground up salivary glands of mice, re-injected them into newborn mice, and found that their eyelids opened earlier and their teeth erupted more quickly, all ectodermal phenomenon or wound healing phenomenon. So there was the idea that it would speed wound healing, but it occurs in the body in such teeny quantities, very little research had been done until Dr. Rudder and others came along with biotechnology where it could be made in unlimited quantities. And it just so happened, we were sort of at the right place at the right time. We started a collaboration with them, and sure enough, we're able to show that we could speed wound healing. And then I became a fellow in plastic surgery at Emory, had the idea and the good fortune. Uh, Emory's a great place. And uh, we did a joint study between Emory and Vanderbilt burn units, and we were able to show in humans that we could speed burn wound healing by adding epidermal growth factor topically. And that was an important concept uh, in medicine. And then you Fast forward a bit, I became a plastic surgeon, and I was an academic plastic surgeon back at my alma mater, University of Louisville, and of course, you have to do research for that. So one of my ideas for research was, and this was a bit of an aha moment, I guess, I had the idea that maybe that same molecule, when applied to intact, unwounded skin, even though it's a big molecule, could... reverse the signs of aging basically by stimulating cell renewal, which has to occur, we had shown, in burn wound healing. And one of the things that happens as you age, cell renewal slows, and maybe that would kickstart cell renewal in aging skin. Long story short, we did a whole series of clinical studies on human volunteers, randomized, prospective, each person's 
forearms served as their control when they were blinded. And we were able to show, sure enough, we could uh, stimulate cell renewal in aging skin. And not surprisingly, the older the individual, the more the renewal. And so, again, because I was at an academic setting, I still hadn't had the idea for Revive yet. Um, I uh, patented that concept, basically growth factors reversing skin aging when used topically. Uh, then I made a makeshift form of what ultimately did become Revive. I was, you know, this were in the days when I probably never would have advertised. I haven't practiced for a number of years now, but even when I was practicing, a lot of doctors were advertising. I didn't. Um, but so it was a way to sort of market my young practice. I made what ultimately became Revive. I would dissolve the growth factor in a product my mom used, Elizabeth Arden, Visible Difference, give it to patients just as a gratis for coming to see me. And uh, one of these patients happened to be a friend of the friend of the man that ran the Neiman Marcus stores. And long story short, basically he said if we'd make it commercially, he'd put it in the stores. So we did and he did. And that was in 1997. It was a single skew. It's still our number one bestseller. It's called our Moisturizing Renewal Cream. And that's kind of a lot of information over a number of years. But that's kind of how I got from being, you know, sort of an academic surgeon resident to, um, you know, an entrepreneur. And, um, I mean, I love the business. I love the industry. You know, I've had two careers, and um, it, it, it's it's been great. And, you know, Alana came along and sort of um, – we were really struggling because we had been bought. I sold the business in uh, 08 and uh, we were being neglected. And so Alana and Rich and our CFO sort of salvaged us. And we've had a great five years. Well, yeah, we're going to get into that story in a minute. And I just have to say, I mean, I'm a huge science nerd. Anything, you know, when you talk, I did engineering for four years, but I was a huge, anything biochemistry, physics. uh, I don't get to often live that a lot in my day to day today. So hearing what you were talking about got me very excited. And thank you for uh, sharing in a nutshell, because I know there's so much more deeper in there. But yeah, there's maybe a lot we'll do more, another podcast. A lot of more blind <laughs> we'll alleys, one. twists and turns, you know, <laughs> exactly. failures. Yeah. Uh, no, and that that's um, that's definitely so important to have in that journey, because we wouldn't be where you are today without all those experiences. Thank you. But Ilana, uh, um, I, I, again, from a in a very different uh, industry initially, I, I, I've seen your resume, if, if I may say so, and I'm just in awe. I'm absolutely in awe of all the, I'm, I'm quite also very envious of all the experiences and the enriched experiences you've got to uh, have uh, from Estee Lauder, Lancome, Avon, I mean, I'll let you explain it. So the floor is yours. Well, thank you, Akash. I really, um, so I, I'll, I'll go back as far as Dr. Dr. Brown, you know, I'm the um, oldest uh, child of uh, two first generation Americans. And I think that had a lot to do with sort of shaping my, my work ethic. And so, you know, Dr. Brown and I relate and are similar on a lot of levels. And one of them is this sort of, you know, drive for achievement and success. I think, you know, that was a a big part of my um, upbringing. Um, And I think another big part of my upbringing and influence was I had a mother who always worked uh, full time and a father who um, set really high standards in a very positive way. And so, you know, the idea that I I wouldn't uh, have a, a full career never even occurred to me. 
right? And we'll get there in a second. Anyway, so, you know, I went to university. I uh, studied uh, history and I uh, always worked throughout uh, college. You know, there was this drive to figure out what it was you wanted to do. And um, I actually ended up, my first job was in fundraising. Um, and I worked at the Juilliard School in fundraising. And, um, you know, uh, having this achievement-oriented father, he, you know, said, well, that's nice, but when are you going back to graduate school? And so uh, as soon as I graduated, I enrolled uh, for the fall semester to take a class in marketing because I needed to, you know, I didn't even know what that was. Um, and I really liked it. And I realized that what I was doing in fundraising actually was marketing. You know, you, you have a target audience who you're asking to part with money for a particular cause, product or service. It's kind of the same thing, right? And um, so I said, okay, well, maybe I'll study this and I'll go to business school. So I started, I had to take all the class. I hadn't taken anything math related in college as an undergraduate. So I, I had to take pre-calculus, calculus, microeconomics, macroeconomics. I did all of this as I was working. And I said, well, if I want to kind of study marketing, I'd, I'd like to work in marketing too. Um, but because I didn't have any experience, I couldn't convince anyone to hire me. Um, and so I got a job actually working at Chanel, uh, the family office, not the, the main company, but it was at 9 West 57th Street um, because I spoke French. And that is another uh, shared passion of mine and Dr. Brown's. Uh, I happen to speak French because uh, I just something I studied in high school. I love to travel um, and I had great teachers. And so I got that job because I spoke French and I realized that I probably wasn't going to move up there. Um, but it was my first exposure to the industry. Um, and to trade publications and, you know, women's wear daily and the language, et cetera. So I wrote letters, um, to, you know, all the companies I could pre-email and I got a second job as somebody's assistant in, uh, at L'Oreal, which at the time was called Cosmere. And he, uh, said to me, Alana, you know, you seem too educated, you know, in the French system, they ver they're very focused on education as opposed to uh, experience. And they said, you seem too educated to be my assistant. But if you do this for me for a year, I will promote you into marketing. Um, and that's, I got very lucky and that's what happened. Um, and so I stayed at Cosmere L'Oreal for another two years. I followed a boss to Avon uh, for three years. Um, I called somebody one day on the phone back at L'Oreal to congratulate them on getting a new job. And they offered me a job on the spot. And I came back to L'Oreal for, for four years. Um, and in the four years that I came back, I happened to have two children along the way. Um, and, uh, I decided that I wanted to, there was really only one other place I wanted to work, and that was Estee Lauder Companies. And I got a job there and spent the next seven years there, um, ultimately achieving what, it, what had been my dream job, which was running a global marketing, running global marketing for a, a global brand. I ran global marketing on the Lauder brand, uh, which was a huge honor and an incredible experience.
And then somebody said to me, you know, Alana, if you're going to work this hard, you should own a piece of something. And I said, I don't even know what that means. And they said, well, you can learn. Um, and that was when I started sort of my next journey after having spent almost uh, 20 years, 18 years in big companies. I started the next part of my career, which was running smaller companies uh, for private investors or private equity. Um, and that's how, how I ended up uh, at Revive today. I mean, there's, there's some other twists and turns in there, but that's the general story. That's amazing. And yeah, we have a, my first ever job was in, well, Burberry, but after that was Estee Lauder Companies. And it was an amazing company just to see that as a conglomerate, how they all function. But uh, I'm sure you had a lot of good learnings there. But I think that was a really smart move to move from, you know, you can get sometimes a bit lost in this big, big conglomerate and the way there's a lot of politics and sometimes growth can be a little bit fickle. But I think sometimes going to a smaller company and seeing the 360 as a CEO or, you know, as a, someone leading it, I think that can teach you a lot more as well. So the fact that you had both experiences, it's a game changer. So that's amazing. Um, so now I would love to speak about your both mutual love for France and French, and then therefore the name I'm sure Revive stemmed from this, um, Dr. Brand. But tell us more about how, yeah, the name came to be. Well, as Alana alluded to, I am a Francophile. I wish I were fluent like she is. I mean, I can stumble. I can sort of read a newspaper. I used to go to France all the time. I haven't been for a few years. I would go long before uh, Revive and just wander. I, I, I'm sure you know France, but the pharmacies are just chock full of uh, products. And in those days, I'm not sure it's so much true now, the French women especially were much more geared to um, – creams and non-invasive procedures and less surgery than America. So that always intrigued me. And when I first really had the idea for commercial Revive and those things started happening at Neiman's and all of that, I wanted to come up with a word that um, said what it did, but also sounded, you know, French, because a lot of our, our products still, I call them franglais. They're, they sound and look French, but they're really not French words, which is nice in a way because they're more easily trademarked. Um, and so I came up with Revive, you know, in the early days, and people still call it Revive, and that's fine. But um, actually, Helena Rubinstein had the trademark for a hair care product, and we had to wait for a number of years. And I, I'm sure you understand trademark laws, but you kind of wait when there's a hiatus, and then you can pounce on it. So we did that, and uh, it's it's been a great name, I think, uh, you know, and, and we have it registered and all of that. And then a lot of our other sub-products have come along with, um, you know, and Alana can talk to that more because she's she's really the French expert. I'm I'm just the sort of the the, the spectator for French. I wish I could speak someday before it's all over. Yeah. I'm going to be fluent, but I haven't gotten there yet. Exactly, and in the best way. I I learned French for about seven years, but then I didn't really felt I didn't feel fluent at all. But when I moved to Paris to work for Dior. I was there for about three years, and then my French got um, a lot better. So sometimes, so you are fluent too. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 but you have to live there. You, you have you, to. Don't you agree? You have to live. Yeah, I mean, I've studied it a lot, but 
I've never lived. No, yeah. I mean, I could conversate a bit, of course, in my seven, eight years. I mean, it would be silly not to be able to speak a little bit with that knowledge. Exactly. But didn't feel comfortable. And I couldn't speak to Parisians, for sure. But then living there, and the best part about, I think, living in Paris, especially, was they do not like to speak in English at all. I'm, do you remember when you realized you were thinking in French yeah. and not translating? That, that, that was about a year and a half in, yeah. It took about a year to get to that point, to be honest. Yeah, to yeah. me, that's the real point to get to, yeah. But that's why I think even if you work, live in Paris or you work for companies like, like Chanel, as you were saying, Alana, like they are very much rooted in their DNA. They would only want to hire people that speak fluent French. So it helps in a way to force that, um, that learning. But... I would love to kind of, yeah, talk a bit about, uh, I, I was, when I was researching and I, you know, I, I've tried some of the products and you were so kind to send the sensitive and intensity, intensity, like these are really fun play of words, um, that have obviously the clear French meaning, but also the English recognition. Was that the intention behind these? Yeah, those are called cognats. I think, you know, we, they sound like what they are and, um, you know, a lot of them are not real French words. They're, you know, they're they're anglicized, you know, French words. So, um, but the good news is those have been, most of those, I think all of them pretty much, Alana, are trademarked, yeah. Which is the best part. And, and I feel you 100% on that because uh, often you can create amazing names and you just don't want to have an issue where either someone has a trademark and... It has an issue with you, or you can't even trademark it yourself. And so. we've continued it, and Alana's really done that much more than me. That and our newer products all pretty much have a you know our volumizing serum is volumizing ultime. So you know we've mm. we've all we continue that sort of heritage in our newer products. I love that. So I kind of want to like talk about Revive's journey in maybe. A few parts. One would be, I guess, from one single SKU to building a portfolio and then that acquisition sort of deal with Shishido. Then maybe about the formulas, formulas and incredible proteins. And then the third part is, you know, how it started to build, especially with you, Alana, at the forefront being the CEO. So should we start it away, uh, maybe Dr. Brown, with um, from how do you went from Neiman Marcus one SKU to building the MPD? Well, it was uh, slow. Um, you know, I've always said, and I learned this, and I think, you know, I was a practicing surgeon, so I knew I did not know the industry at all, nothing. Um, and I learned everything by trial and error. Um, more error, a lot of error. <laughs> and so, you know, I think we... Neiman's in those days, it was pre-e-commerce, pre-social media, and you had to have a retailer that was really interested in niche, uh, you know, unique brands and would hold your hand. And they did that. Um, now, granted, you know, I learned if if you don't have somebody on the floor to help you sell it, no matter how much help the retailer gives you, it's not going to sell. It could be the fountain of youth. And so that was a hard lesson to learn. But Neiman's was really, for three years, we were exclusively at Neiman's and we were in all of their doors, which was about 40 then. And they really did. Uh, I don't think we could have uh, done it without them. In those days, I don't think there was another retailer of that size that was able to uh, or willing to, um, you know, support small niche brands like that, because that was one of their uh, trademarks to offer things that nobody else offered. And they had just launched 
much in our favor in 1995 as a single skew. They had launched Creme de la Mer, which had done extremely well. So that kind of paved the way for a single skew launch. And uh, we didn't add another skew or two until probably two or three years later. And those original skews, uh, the first four or five SKUs are still in the top 10 of our best sellers. And, uh, and did you find it quite, um, like how you were mentioning it in the, about a the lot of errors and mistakes. How did you get out of them and push forward? Because at the early stages of building a business, they can be quite rattling, uh, especially to us founders. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the first things we had a great formulator who really is still formulated a lot of our heritage products, but he, and they still have withstood the test of time. But he also had a uh, manufacturer that we used. It was sort of a one-stop shop, and that kind of went uh, belly up, and that was really hard. You know, you just have to, I think, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you can't take negativity and no as a endpoint. I mean, you just can't. Uh, and that's why I I talked to you earlier about, you know, tenacity and perseverance. It can be a strength, but it can also be a weakness. There comes a time when you have to realize, well, maybe we're at a dead end. But as an entrepreneur, you almost can't do that. It's not in the DNA. And I tell everybody, you know, they say, well, what, what's your advice? You know, there's nothing wrong with not having the belly to be an entrepreneur, but it's not for everybody, as you 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 know yourself. It's, I mean, you have to sort of have the stomach for it and be willing to take risks and all of that. 100%. And I think if you would know inherently, uh, and a lot of people ask me, uh, well, how do I create a brand? I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I can do it. And I always say, you know, often these people have worked in corporates or have worked for someone. And I kind of ask them, have you felt you're an entrepreneur? Have you felt like you've had that want and desire to build and create something new and change and, you know, deal with those stresses and make them your triumphs? And then they often say, no, no, that's not me. I'm like, maybe this isn't for you. Exactly. Then. And they say, and that's okay. It's not a judgment. It's just a fact. Yeah, exactly. But if they're like, oh my God, no, I have always tried to do something new and fresh. I'm like, well, then you maybe are more ready than you think because you've had experience being an entrepreneur within a company. Exactly. Um, now just do it for yourself and you will feel so much better because it's always great when you work for yourself and make your own decisions. Exactly. So that's something I think uh, is, the, is the fuel and catalyst to making... Um, you know, yeah. one of the... And we, we may talk about the one of the... Hap- I guess probably one of the saddest days of my life. It really wasn't happy. It was happy in the sense that I actually made more money than I thought I would ever make the day I sold the business. Um, yeah. But it was really a very sad day for me because, uh, you know, it was giving up sort of, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's your, and I don't have children, so it was your sort baby. Of my baby. Yeah. Um, and that was really a tough, and that's tough for, I think, any entrepreneur. With anyone. But I think if you remember, you know, it's like, it's still always your baby no matter what no one is ever going to take that away from you and uh, every day you you know no matter even if you have uh, all of the company or part of the company or you completely sold the company it's kind of a joe malone effect right it's exactly it's, doesn't matter because you Jill still Sander. Birth child i mean it. she's a prime example yeah mm-hmm. perfect example right but uh, talk us a bit through that kind of uh, experience because i, I I would love to know as well that process, uh, whatever you can share, because as you know, today, acquisitions happening left, right and center and people, all these conglomerates are yearning for young, 
uh, I guess, conscious, founder-led beauty brands. Um, so I'm getting a lot of emails and uh, I'm enjoying the journey so much. I can't, I can't let go yet, but I'm only two years in. But at the same time, it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it. Of course, so I would love it's to know. flattering. Yeah. And when you go back to 07, 08, there was a lot of money like uh, there has been in the past few years. And there were a lot of people coming out of the woodwork. We didn't see the recession coming, although I own two-thirds of the business. And the man that I mentioned that had started Chiron owned a third. And the reason he owned a third, in those days, you couldn't buy growth factors. And he was the only person with them. So to get growth factors, I had to include him in ownership and he's a very smart businessman and he said the recession was coming and that we should sell and there were suitors coming out of the woodwork there really were um you know i'm sure if you're getting emails you know what that's like it's flattering and you think oh you know but then i didn't want to do it but he talked me into it and luckily in retrospect we did because you know we closed in april of 08 and then the market crashed in september and it was a big crash you know the big recession so i might have lost the business who knows um but it was a difficult decision to make and we we originally sold to uh two wealthy families the devosses and the van andels they own a company called well it's basically amway um out of uh, michigan and they we part they bought us and a, another company called Laura Mercier and we were sort of this little entity and we were in New York and just the two of us and they really they did a, a an okay job for about eight years but it was a you know they are direct marketing and we were specialty luxury retail which are really two different animals and so neither neither brand really flourished so they sold to uh, Shiseido. And then Shiseido really did uh, drop the ball with Revive, and luckily Rich came along. And then, of course, with Alana, uh, it it uh, saved us. But uh, that's kind of the arc of the business, uh, you know mm-hmm. how how that came. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And I think that's really important to remember uh, for any founder, especially of a beauty brand, we sometimes get excited by, uh, and I'll say it, you know, the L'Oreal's, the Estes, the Shishaydes, and it can get really, um, you know, you can hear all the, the possibilities. But often, and I've worked in these companies, Elana, you know, yourself too, you know that there are different forms that happens within this. You have like the the priority brands and the secondary and the tertiary. You have the clusters where like four, five, three brands are just clustered into one little team. And some of them you hear like killed with fire. They just keep it going and just eventually kill it slowly. Um, sometimes even to not compete against their priority brand, right? And exactly. Shiseido had Clay de Poe, which was a big luxury skincare brand for them. So they weren't willing to really invest in another one. They had to take us because they wanted Laura Mercier and the two were joined. So they bought the two together. And um, so that was a business decision on their part. But luckily, uh, Rich. But there was a way out. And that's the the most important. And I think that's where I would love, Ilana, to talk about your first encounters with Revive and your excitement to, I guess, take this on and, and take it to a new direction. Sure. Well, I think just to to set the stage, um, you know, we keep mentioning this person, Rich. His name is Rich Gersten. He's a very well-known investor in in beauty. um, And uh, he is playing, you know, kind of with beauty companies of all sizes, um, small, medium, and large. And so uh, in I met him originally in 2014. And joined forces with him to run a brand for Tengram Capital Partners um, and also work with Tengram, advising them on acquiring brands. Um, I had the good fortune to sit on and still sit on some of their boards and get to work with other brands as well. And especially with CEOs, because as you know, the founder and the CEO, sometimes it's a little lonely and you can't to always turn back to your team, you know, you, you need some external points of view. So we sold the business that I was running, Laura Geller Beauty, at the end of 2016. And I stayed with our new acquirers for about six months. Um, but then I left. And within weeks of leaving, um, Rich called me and said, you know, I've been uh, kind of in touch with the leadership at Shiseido um, to look at Revive, we're going to go to a meeting. Would you like to come? And I said, uh, sure. So I went, and that was um, the first time that I, I remember the date. It was July 25th, 2017. And um, my last day on my previous job was June 1st. So, you know, I had about six weeks. And, um, you know, we, we started to, we, we thought it was a really interesting and beautiful brand. I was very familiar with the brand as a competitor, you know, externally, having worked on Lancome Absolute, Estee Lauder Nutriv, you know, there was, everyone knew Revive, uh, but I didn't know that much about it. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that is important to us in, in our investment philosophy is the founder. And so a big part of, of kind of understanding the brand and what the story was and the authenticity of it and the technology and the distribution was also meeting the founder. And um, I, I remember that I, I went to meet Dr. Brown and um, a big part of our thesis was that he also needed to really, uh, you know, be involved and, and, and come back in, if you will. So, you know, what's kind of interesting about this story is like, well, the saddest day may have been the day he sold, but he, you know, he stayed involved in the business, but then we brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, I think, you know, in, in a big way, right? I don't think Dr. Brown ever left the brand. I mean, he stayed with the brand. He worked on formulation. He, he does did in-store appearances. But I think it's, it's different to work with people who um, really want you to be their partner. Yes, and value um, so that, that founder-led yeah. approach. Yeah. Um, so so that was, was important for us. And I think, you know, what we saw in this business and in this brand, I think, um, you know, sometimes when you work on a big corporate brand, you know, you have a brand book and you have um, your brand values and your, your vision and your mission and all of those things very well codified. You know, but when a brand is started by a founder, you don't need to kind of uh, write those things down. They're just implicit in you, right? I mean, you're, and so I think that a lot of the story that you've heard from Dr. Brown is, I think, the story and the values of the brand. Uh, it's science-backed. It's based on reality. It, um, you know, doesn't overpromise. And when we went to investigate um, and talk to people about why has this brand been around so long? Um, you know, people really said to us two things. The products are incredible. They work. Also, Dr. Brown is such a terrific and wonderful person. I mean, that's what all the, the retailers said. And um, they said, you know, it, it's been, uh, they could probably use some new product introductions. We haven't had that in a while. There's not a lot of inventory in the stores. You know, we haven't really seen people. We don't know what's happening with the team. But everyone felt um that they had built a relationship really with Dr. Brown and that they knew the power of the products. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's one of the, my, my strengths is um, if you have the, the core, then we can do the rest, right? We know how to operate, you know, we sort of know how to bring product to market, you know, but you, you can't do that if there isn't an authentic a story and product and um, idea to bring forward. And I think um, one of the things uh, that excited me was um, this was a diamond. I, I think we all saw this as a, a beautiful diamond that yeah. just needed some, some new polishing. And, and I think that's, I'm loving hearing this because I feel this is a true testament to just having the right, environment team uh structure can really give all the, the the love the brand needs and i think that's exactly what i'm really happy for revive that it managed to get this back again because it, it doesn't always happen you hear some stories where it ends up just 
you know, going to nothing. Well, and you know, one of the first things Ilana said, we had a sales meeting early on, that oftentimes it's awkward for the CEO and the founder. But I think we have had an amazing, at least from my perspective, a very amazing relationship. And for me, I think she was describing the talents and and the expert. The most important thing is to get out of the for me to get out of the way. I, I try to um, and not you know get involved in the workings of what they're doing to resurrect the business. And so I think sometimes for founders that's hard to do. I had a sister brand where I watched that not go so well. So you know, in that sense, we've we've been fortunate at least from my perspective, to uh, have such a great working relationship. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a very, uh, I mean, even now for my company, while I'm still the CEO, we've now 25 people after uh, two years. I've obviously starting with like three people for like a good year and a bit. And uh, we've hired now a COO and a GM. And for me, I've had to really really let, you know, let go of the reins and like give a lot of the, the trust to them. And that's the only way to take it to new heights and to let it grow. Otherwise, sometimes as a founder, you can, you know, cause more problems than you would like or than you can foresee uh, by being too close to everything. And I think that's important to know when is the right time to, to dance around and make moves to let your whole team uh, you know, grow the whole business as one unit, not just yourself. Very, very important advice there. So thank you for sharing that. I would love, you know, before we go a bit more into just your personal, um, I guess, rituals and routines and stories, I would love if one of you can share what you see the vision and the, the future for Revivas in this now ever-changing digital landscape. Alana, why don't you take that? Sure. This was true, you know, when we bought the business at the end of 2017, but I think uh, COVID accelerated a lot of things. Yeah. You know, the question that I was asking, I think Dr. Brown was, you know, uh, we've seen in the course of uh, just the, the four and a half years we've worked together from a distribution perspective, a lot of the um, partners who, who were the cornerstone of this business uh, have gone through challenges in and of themselves. Barney's was a major account. It closed. Neiman's, you you heard the Heritage account. Yeah. Obviously, they went into to bankruptcy and yeah. they closed many doors. And I think you know, the, for me, there was this sort of overarching question of we used to de- define luxury, which is we see ourselves as a, a luxury product. We used to define luxury by distribution. You there was a scarcity to it, and it was defined by where it was sold. And, and so the question I think we had to ask ourselves is, well, if the places that it's sold don't exist, it doesn't mean that luxury dies. Uh, it just you have to find other ways to get it to people. And I think that's been part of our journey um, is help defining um, sort of um, the new uh the, the ways to access luxury in, in, through different distribution and then, of course, through different markets. Yeah. And the reality is that the question is very different by market. You know, the, the, in the U.S., I think it's very different than in the Middle East or in Asia, et cetera. And we're kind of answering that question now market by market. And so, obviously, we've made a very big pivot to, um, to a digital uh, world and um, – Today, 50% of our business globally is actually done online. And, you know, just if I can say, 
you know, I'll embarrass Alana a little bit, but, you know, she, when COVID hit, I think very few people sort of realized, you know, the magnitude. And a lot of people were like a doe in headlights, you know, what, what what's going to happen. But literally within a day, she had, I like it like a ballerina. She got on point and turned 180 degrees and we were off uh, in the right direction and had her arms around it. And I think, you know, we were profitable during those years, which is pretty amazing. So I think a lot of that was just astute management um, because so many people, uh, retailers, you know, even online people uh, didn't, you know, were at a loss of what to do. That's so, so true. And I think that, and Alana said it so eloquently, that perception of luxury and who your consumers are and although distribution channels might have closed or uh pandemic might have halted some of these or paused some of these these consumers these uh you know communities they're still there and you have to listen to see where are they right now where are they consuming content where are they shopping and by having an agile uh, you know structure to your company and being able to do that Pure, I don't know the ballet, ballet term, but like to, yeah, to pure turn. Away. Pure you got away. it. There you go. That's what Elana's done uh, with you guys, and I, I love that. That's that's exactly what you need. So um, that's, and I can tell that because I can truly say, like I've seen Revive, whether it was in social, and I know you're at Harrods and a few you know, retailers, but you've done such a great job during the pandemic, where you actually utilized the time to make the brand shine, um, which often many didn't. And no. That's, that's, that's really, really special. So now I think going into, you know, speaking about the pandemic and going into ourselves and as, as, as founder, CEO, you know, did you guys adopt newly formed or maybe existing but strengthened rituals and routines that kept you motivated and going during this tough time? Uh, Akash, you want to talk about personal or professional? Personal, personal, yeah. I mean... Dr. Brown uh, indicated before, you know, this, this uh, lessons you learn uh, over time, you know, like study or go to the friend's wedding, et cetera. You know, um, a lot of people suffered greatly during COVID um, and you, you know, there's a global mental health crisis, et cetera. And um, I'm, I consider myself very fortunate in that I, I almost had the opposite. Um, I spent my life uh, working uh, all the time and um, traveling, you know, more than 30% of the time and waking up early, commuting, traveling, raising three kids, not alone. I have a life partner uh, who's been an incredible support. Um, and then suddenly it all stopped and, you know, literally like to a screeching halt. So, March, we traveled, we opened Russia and we opened a couple Spain and Italy all in the first quarter of 2020, right before the pandemic. And I traveled until March 11th. I came back from the UK. I went to work on the 12th. I went to work out at Barry's afterwards. And then the 13th, I never came back to work. Right. And so um, we were a family, you know, contained at home. And I learned, um, the, the power of stopping and I don't know, smelling the roses, appreciating what you have. Um, and I adapted a lot of new, um, 
habits, including I never watch television and, you know, I'm a streaming, uh, I'm an addicted streaming person now, but also, um, I, I just made some decisions around, uh, what I won't do anymore and don't need to do. Right. And so as we're easing back now into in IRL life, being back in the office, traveling, being with people, etc. What I find myself needing to do now is learning how to tell myself no and not getting back into that, you know, the cycle of always of always going. Um, and I've had to reteach myself that a few times in my life. Um, and I'm trying to sort of learn a new way to work now. Um, but I think that's my habit during, I mean, I adopted lots of new beauty habits too, but my habit during COVID was we worked very hard. You know, you could just get, roll out of bed and get to your desk and leave it and roll back into bed. But I also appreciated the time not being on the road or in commuting, being in the office and having fun with my my family. So true. And I think that's um, it's really important that you said even today now things are opening up. You have to remind yourselves of those the way you felt during the pandemic and those positive habits and positive I guess you could say reset and mindfulness away from the stress and the waking up and the travel um, to make sure we can keep that sustained a bit. Yes, we have to go a bit back to normal. Travel is opening up and yes, we need to go to the office here and there, but we can't lose all those amazing learnings and chan- you know, things we got to learn during that time. And I heard also, I read some, you love Peloton. Is that true? Yeah, I do. I've, I have the bike and the tread. Amazing. So I have to add you in Peloton. Although I will be saying like, I used to be really good at Peloton. Now I'm a bit bad. I used to go back on it again. I miss, I'm kind of going back to the gym and stuff like that, but I did love Peloton at the time of the pandemic. Yes. I mean, I have, I, I do it all right. Like, and I try lots of different things. I, I will tell you that I, I did a class at 6.30 this morning and one at 7.30. Hey, okay, you've inspired me. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm also going to add you. So sometimes we can do a live session where I can. Okay, uh, perfect. Yeah, Not done. Peloton this morning. I, I went to two different gyms this morning before, nice. before this. Hey, that's amazing. Okay, I did boxing. So I feel like I did something. Okay, too, that's so great. That's I good. love boxing. I love boxing. It's so therapeutic. And uh, I'm a boxer when it comes to pad work. I don't think I can get in a ring and spar with someone. I'm not that, I would just apologize with every hit, but. No, no, no. Yeah. Just the bag. Is Just the bag. Exactly. Well, Dr. Brown, we'd love to know now your, what, you know, what you've learned. You know, a little bit like Alana, you know, basically I'm an introvert. I was raised an only child. Uh, I was living mostly in New York City before the uh, pandemic. And, you know, New York, I love it, but it's, it's hard for me a little bit because I'm basically mm-hmm. like to be, I mean, I was raised in a rural setting. And so most of the pandemic I spent um, in Kentucky and I have a farm here and I loved it. I mean, I have to admit as hideous and horrible as the pandemic was, I I enjoyed it. I feel that. But too. I, you know, I really, I, I didn't get sad. I didn't get depressed. You know, none of those things. Fortunately, I didn't know anybody that got really sick. I didn't get sick. But those things aside, just life during the pandemic was not hard for me because I was, I, you know, was able to, I go to the, I have a gym in my home and um, I was able to, I have horses on the farm. And so, you know, it was, it was not a, a bad time at all. Dr. Brown built a beautiful 
of house on his farm wow. and spent a lot of time there, which we got, see, the, the great thing is we got to see it because we were on Zoom so That's much. right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love, yeah. It, and I think that's where we have to, again, kind of like in business where you have these moments of, we would think uh, either it's a down moment or stress or um, yeah, some negative moments. But at the same time, there is such beauty that can come from them and learnings similar to the pandemic. It's how you utilize that time that we had to make for a better, better future and a better present. So I think you guys have really demonstrated that. And I'm glad as well that you will continue those learnings because I feel I myself I'm, I'm telling myself every day I'm like go back to that pandemic mindset and you know that mindfulness I had so strongly then because it's all kind of rushing back now and I'm getting invited to all these meetings and work trips and I'm getting a lot a lot of stress now <laughs> and a little bit of burnout and I need to go back to that mindset before yeah I mean there's there's um no is a very powerful answer. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's learning to, uh, you know, I used to be a big believer in over, oversubscribing, right? And now I like to undersubscribe a little bit. You know, like people don't really understand what it means to be an introvert, really. It's that you do need downtime and you need alone time to be your best with other people. People think it means you're shy. It doesn't mean that. It, it, it just means you get your energy from your self and your thoughts, really, as opposed to the stimulation of others. Um, and so you can really deplete your energy if you um, if you don't give yourself that recuperation time and, um, the, the, the pandemic was just a lot of, a lot of recuperation. A lot of it. That's Absolutely. so true. Mm, for the sure. power, the power of no, it's, it's so true. And I needed to hear that today. So thank you because I will take that with me. Um, and I will utilize it now. Um, so I have a sort of a desert Island question before we go into fire round. So, you're invited both to a founded beauty retreat, but I'm being very strict and I'm saying, Dr. Brown, Alana, you can only bring one product. But of course, you know, you're coming together so you can bring one, two different products each. So let's say Dr. Brown first. What is your one go-to Revive product? Uh, moisturizing Renewal Cream. It's our original cream. It's our night cream. Hero. It's the one I tell everybody if they only buy one product, that should be it. That would be it. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Alana? Now, Akash, I am a Francophile, but I do listen to Desert Island Discs, so I know this. I know this challenge. Um, well, if Dr. Brown is bringing um, moisturizing renewal cream, then I'm going to bring Soleil Superior. Mm. So Soleil Superior is our um, very unique SPF 50. And um, a lot of people wear it as a sunscreen, but you can really also just wear it every day as a moisturizer uh, as well. Um, and the reason why I chose that is because, you know, Dr. Brown will tell you that the best thing that you can do for your skin above all else is protect it from the sun. So true. And, and we forget it's, it's every day. We think about it like uh, SPF. Correct. There's so much education involved. Even inside. Even inside. Yep. In an airplane even especially. Inside. Yeah, yeah. Even inside. I even wear it at night. I'm a little, but you know, I'm young. I, when I was young, I grew up in the South and I got lots of sun. It was people, 
back when people thought suntan was healthy. So, you know, you, it's cumulative and you pay the price. I'm paying the price now. So, um, you really do. So true. So fire round question. First thing that comes to your mind, we'll, we'll go, we'll, I'll first say to Dr. Brandt and then to Ilana. So Ilana, you're a bit lucky. You get some, you get to get some oh. time to answer. Oh. Okay, get some so downtime. I'm, I'm putting Not Dr. Fair. Brandt on the spot now. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm doing it by alphabetical order, D and E. That's my, that's my uh, excuse. <laughs> so we're going to um, start. And the first question is, what is another beauty brand that you're currently loving Dr. Brown. I'll give that as a caveat. You know, I really don't do much market research. Alana's much better at that than me. I don't really look over my shoulder. But I think just yeah. peripherally and the noise and what's out there, it would have to be La Prairie just because it's beautiful and they mm-hmm. market well. I don't know much about the product. I honestly don't. But just yeah. visually. And, and that, that's not a very good answer, but I really no, that's a great answer. I don't yeah. really have a lot of, I should have better market knowledge, but I don't, I just think about Revive. And, and you're only using Revive, which is even better. Yeah, so exactly. Right. <laughs> nice. Uh, Elana? Um, you know, I'm going to say Westman Atelier, um, the Gucci Westman's makeup brand. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, I think, um, I've, I've known, I mean, I actually, I've known her through the years and seen her sort of working with other companies. And I like the idea that after sort of having helped so many others, she's like taking it, doing it for herself. And I think in her own way, um, I think she's done a great job. And she was on the podcast. If you haven't listened to her episode, do check it out. And uh, she is amazing. I, I found out she practiced like Hinduism, and it's it's really cool to hear her whole story and how she created Westman Atelier. So yeah, really, really, I love her. And Doctor Brown met her this summer. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of weird thing. I kind of think about it now. I've, over the pandemic, I've done this podcast. I've had nearly over 200 founders confirmed. I've interviewed with maybe 100, 120 so far. And I feel like I know everyone, but I realize I haven't really met anyone because I've just stayed in London. So I hope to do like a... I did do these founded beauty breakfasts. Um, I did one in LA, one in New York, and one in London where I invited everyone who's been on the podcast before. So the next one I do, you guys have to come. And that's been really nice to just actually finally put like a face to the... Well, I could meet them in person. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that... uh, That's the one thing I really regret is... I love Zooms, but I would love to meet in person just as much. So yeah, yeah in the future. Uh, next question. What is a guilty pleasure of yours, Dr. Brown? Sweets. You know, I love, I mean, uh, I'm Southern, so any kind of dessert, sweets. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, eat, yeah. I could eat a whole box of ginger snaps, you know, things like that. I have to really watch it. Could put that discipline, but yeah, you've got to enjoy as well. Uh, Elena? Um, I mean, I have to say, you know, like uh, rom-coms, mm-hmm. like romantic comedies. Yeah, that's a good one. You I mean, and, and also I think they're needed, especially when you're building a brand and we just need that escapism. A rom-com is a perfect choice. I do the same with horror films, not the same thing, but I love like that escape of just I'm somewhere 
Although I don't know why. Um, I, I, I do you guys like horror films? I feel like no one really relates to that. Not really. I'm not a horror not film really. person. No. Okay, I'll just stay. I'll just I uh, like bad, <laughs> good bad movies. You know, a rom com yeah. is sort of a good bad movie. You know. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes a cheesy movie yeah. or like one I where you would never watch it again. Movie. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Well, my next question is: What are you currently watching? Or reading. I'm watching The Flight Attendant. I can binge on, uh, you know, that's one thing COVID has done, you know, on series and Netflix and Hulu and all of that. I've done so many of those. I know you have too, Alana. We've talked about it. Yeah. Have you seen The Flight Attendant? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, no, I haven't. But people say it's really yeah, good. It's good. Alana, what about you? I mean, that's like my discovery during COVID is like I've just watched, you know, with my husband or with my kids, like so much TV um, and uh, series mostly. So right now I'm I'm in the, in the almost in the I'm in the last season of an Italian series called Gamora. It's about um, basically the drug trade in Naples. It's um, amazing. I really, I, I loved it. I watched a lot of international series. I watched Fauda. I watched Fauda. You liked Money Heist. I could never get into that. I, I loved Money Heist. Did? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Although it did get a little bit worse with the it end. Got, yeah. yeah. I mean, it got a little bit over the top. Yeah. yeah. I watched several of them, but uh, Fauda was good. Yeah. Gamora. I need to watch so, Gamora, actually. Yeah. It's on Apple TV. It's, it's, it's. Amazing. Oh, okay. I have a list now. I feel like I've asked this question to so many founders and every time I'm like, oh gosh, this is a dangerous question because now I want to watch a lot of TV, <laughs> but it's a good one too. Um, and then, okay, yeah. wait, you asked what we're reading. Yeah. So, what are you reading? Yeah. Um, I'm reading, um, Atomic Habits and I'm listening to A Little Life, which is the Hani Nigiri book. It's 31 hours. No, oh, wow. Atomic Habits. Is, yes, Atomic Habits, that's that. James Clear. Is, is that a good one? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is list. good. I like it. I like okay. it a lot. You have to read it like with a pen and paper. Like you have to read it like and take notes. I'm reading yeah. Clementine Churchill's biography, which is kind of interesting. She was sort of a forgotten force during World War II. Um, oh, she was yeah. really important to him and his decisions and all of that. Uh, next question is, what is your favorite social media platform right now? Well, you know, I'm old, so I'll probably have to say Netflix. I mean, um, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Facebook is still so powerful and a lot of value in there from a community yeah. perspective too. Uh, I guess for me it's Instagram, but um, my kids send me tons of TikToks. And yeah. so uh, I like when I like watching their TikToks. It's, it's nice. It's nice to get sent the best ones. So you don't go in a rabbit hole of just wasting a exactly. lot of time on TikTok. Exactly. So I think that's good that you have that and stay to that. Don't go on it. <laughs> so you're young. Akash, what's your favorite? You know what? Mine's really mine's LinkedIn. <laughs> it's not like the, that's the normal one, I guess. Oh, I have yeah. a funny story. I'll just tell you this quick story. You yeah. know, um, I never looked at look at my LinkedIn. I look at it a little bit better now. And back when Raviv was really struggling under Shiseido, Rich wrote me blindly. I didn't know who he was on LinkedIn and said, do you think basically 
Revive could be purchased, blah, blah, blah. Well, I never answered it until maybe fast forward two or three years later. And then I discovered it after we started doing all this deal. So, you know, it's important to look at your LinkedIn. I tell everybody. hundred percent. I mean, I know Rich Gersten from LinkedIn too. He reached out he to me it. and that's how we, yeah. he loves it. And he's good at it. So, uh, and I see the value in LinkedIn um, as well. So I think maybe because of my mindset right now is so business, business. But if I'm talking about an escapism and just like community and friends, then it's, I think it's Instagram for sure. Um, and do you guys have a, a favorite quote or mantra that you go by? I have one that I say, um, which, I mean, it's a little dark, but uh, Madeline Albright, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Ooh, that's one of my that is deep i actually think that's uh that's really powerful mine's that's a great. serenity prayer do you know that god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom. i say that many times during the day i think it's important to have that you know some kind of reminder and and, and whether it's a mantra or something you go by to keep you grounded and keep you going it's very important i have two more tell me one is uh you can always look up but you can always look down yeah that was one of my grandparents used to say that and um the other is something that my mother says all the time is she says alana you know you take your baggage with you Mm. so like you can you know just people sometimes think well i'm just gonna leave and it'll be different or i'm just gonna do something and you you know Good or bad, you take your experiences with you. I have another one, and I think this, it may not be, I heard it from Leonard Lauder. I, I Maybe it came from others, but I, it's probably what adds the fuel to my perseverance and not stopping my hair care brand. But he always said, um, you can never be too far ahead to lose or too far behind to win. And I think that's really true. Um, you know, you can't, I mean, think of BlackBerry. I mean, you know, 15 years ago, who would have thought iPhones would have destroyed them? So, you know, you just can't, yeah. It's a, you know, Leonard Lauder comes up quite a lot in people's favorite quote or mantra, which is pretty amazing. One, one person recently said um, he taught that person patience. He just said patience, patience. Um, that was that, that mantra that that person goes by. And it's amazing how these leaders in business can really inspire so many. So it's great. I love that. Uh, last question is, if you weren't in the beauty industry, what would you be doing right now? I would be a farmer. <laughs> nice. I love that. And Alana? Maybe a curator is one. Nice. Like, a, like an art curator? Mm-hmm. That's another shared passion uh, but that Dr. Brown and I have. He didn't tell you that whole other side of him, but he's an amazing art collector, appreciator and collector. I'm just an appreciator. Or I'd like to be like a TV host, like, uh, like Oprah. Love that. Well, you know, that's why I like asking this question, because... Life is full of, you know, trying many things and reinvention. So never lose sight of those things you just said, because you should be either doing it or maybe one day you will. 
So that's amazing. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys. It's such an honor. And I, I mean, I know that we could go on for hours, but we're going to continue offline. This is just the beginning of our friendship. And um, we just, for the podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a stop now. But I can't wait to continue speaking very soon. But in the meantime, where can everyone find uh, Revive and yourselves? If you guys have social medias that you're willing to share, um, let us know the links. Sure. Revive, we're at... Um ReviveSkinCare.com, uh, Blue Mercury, Neiman Marcus, Sexworth Avenue, Bergdorf Goodman, uh, Select Nordstrom, uh, Select Bloomingdale's in the U.S., in the U.K. I'm sure you have a lot of U.K. listeners. Space and K, Harrods, Harvey Nichols, Flannels, John Bell and Croydon. Um, and, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, Dr. Brown 2. On Instagram, I am at Alana Zai Three Girls. And uh, D- Dr. Brown, do you have Instagram? I or? do actually. It's Baze Brown. Uh, so <laughs> I actually have an Instagram. I don't have a TikTok. Um, I do have. Uh, I, that's about it. I think I have LinkedIn, of course. Well, I've just followed you guys, so we're going to stay connected there. And uh, I'll put all the links in the summary as well, so everyone can just go click straight away, so it's a lot easier for people to click. And uh, in the meantime, I will be in touch for our next rendezvous, hopefully in person. And uh, just want to say again, thank you so much. Thank you, Akash. Thank you, Akash. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.